Right, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. All right, we're going to go through verse 19. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 19, he says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. And I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you, unless I bring to you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sound, like a flute or harp, how would anyone know what tune is being played unless there is distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who can get ready for battle? And so it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how would anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking to the air, and undoubtedly there are all sorts of languages in the world. Yet none of them is without a meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner um, to the speaker, and he's a foreigner to me. And so it is with you, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he can interpret what he says. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, My mind is unfruitful. So what should I do? I will pray with the Spirit, but I will pray with my mind. I will sing with the Spirit, but I will sing with my mind. And if you are praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say, Amen, to your thanksgiving, since he doesn't know what you're saying? You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. So I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five uh, words of understanding to instruct others than 10,000 in a language or a tongue. Oh, let's let's continue on here. Um, He says, Brothers, stop thinking like children. In regards to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. For in the law it's written... Uh, Through a men of strange tongues and the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, but then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy is for believers, not for unbelievers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, won't they say that you are out of your minds? But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everyone is prophesying, he will be convinced that he is a sinner and will be judged by all and the secrets of his hearts will be laid bare. And so he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming that God is really among you. Okay. Excuse me. <clears throat> so in chapter 14, we're going to talk largely about the relationship of tongues and prophecy. There's other quite a few thoughts in here. Uh, why does he begin telling them to pursue love?
Okay, it's unity. We just finished talking about love. He's, he's still in this transition. Um, it, everything he's bringing back to the main topic, which is unity. And what is primarily important? We saw that last week, This the comparison of things. There's love, which was the greatest in, in terms of time. It was going to continue. Uh, there was the faith and hope, and then there was the miracles. And so he's... He's just continuing that and, and using that to compare uh, tongues and prophecy. What were they obviously then pursuing? What do you get the idea from this text that they really are pursuing? Tongues. tongues. Yep, they are excited about that. Not so excited about the love part. And not and then that comes. That's evident even from the beginning of the book where we're talking about. All these different rivalries, and all you know, we come up through the Lord's Supper and the discussion about what's going on there. They weren't really so in tune with the love part, the hard part. When people talk about the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, I always try to point them to the fruits of the Spirit. I always try to do that. so, love is inward. It's not an external show. Yeah. Whereas the tongues, they can get more attention. Yes. Yes. You're right. Yep. So they were consumed with the excitement of the tongues. That's a really neat thing. Why isn't love exciting? If it's the greatest of all, why isn't it exciting? Ah, the Bible definition of love. I mean, some kinds of love are exciting. as flowers and chocolates and all that kind of stuff, right? That's exciting. But the, the, the love that God cares about is hard work. Uh, and it's getting along with people you don't always want to get along with. And it's waiting patiently and investing in people and, and that kind of thing, that, that's not exciting because that's work. So, um, okay, so that I understand. Why wouldn't they be excited about some of the miracles that I would look at the list of miracles and go, okay, that's, that's cooler than tongues. Like raising somebody from the dead is way more exciting than tongues. Even the Bible version of tongues. I'm not talking about today's. Why wouldn't they be excited about that? Because they just, he really, he doesn't even mention that kind of stuff. Why, why aren't they excited about that? If, if you're going to focus on the miracles. Oh, I don't think so. There's a lot of this. I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, how, if we if we had a show of hands. To the oh well, I mean, this group of people is not really. Yeah, yeah, right. I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that was a scarce gift that God had given. 
I suppose that's true. They didn't even want to try it. There's just no mention of them. What's that? Yeah, you could fake that, I suppose. Remember what the apostles were told? They, they, we couldn't cast that out. Why? What? Lack of faith. Lack of faith. Hmm. Well, that's a lot like work. I'd rather just do this simple over thing here that doesn't take a lot of faith, and I'm just going to be easy, like... I feel like I'm doing something religious, and it's, it doesn't require a lot of me. I don't need a lot of love. I don't, that hard faith, I mean, some only came out, some demons only came out. If you want to talk again about a greater deep casting out demons, that's pretty impressive. Oh, but some of those came out by how? Fasting. Fasting. Do you see this church, knowing what we know about them from 1 Corinthians 11, do you see them skipping a meal? No. no, I'm not interested in that gift. <laughs> this is this is a church that that is really into ease. I want a religious feeling, so I'll do the easy things. But I'm I'm not going to do the things that build each other up, that require spiritual work. They're not interested in spiritual work. They're interested in something showy, something feely, touchy. Exciting. That doesn't require a lot of personal work. Yeah, investment. So let's talk about the Corinthian use of tongues. Verse 2. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy... No, I'm Chapter 13, excuse me, says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. Okay, so, does that seem like the same thing that we read in Acts chapter 2? Just a quick glance. Does that look the same? What was going on, or Acts chapter 1? What was going on in Acts chapter 1? Okay, and this looks like people aren't understanding them. So what's the difference? Is what they were doing in 1 Corinthians fake? Is it what we have today if you go to a Pentecostal church? Is this what they were doing then? It, it looks like that. but so, so we need to look, I think, into the two situations. And we're going to find that actually, no. The same exact literal thing was happening, but there's a reason why they're understood in one case and a reason why they're not understood in the second case. In fact, even in the first case, they weren't entirely understood. What did some people say? They're drunk. Why would you think that they were drunk? You couldn't understand them. So there was a certain element, even in the beginning of Acts, that they could not be understood by some. And we're going to see why. Uh, well, um, one reason for me would be because they're one from that region. Oh, okay. No, you're, you're right on it. So, so in Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 1, excuse me, it's Acts 1 and 2 are kind of all one story, but uh, they're, they're standing up and they speak, there's, there's this big group of people and they're speaking in 
these foreign languages, right? So, and there's, there's people from all over. And there's a long list of where they're from. Who are the people listening? What one thing do they have in common? They are all in Acts chapter one. They're all Jews. So what language do they all understand? They all understand biblical Hebrew. You were taught that. No matter where you lived, that's the holy language. You learn that. You might not speak that regularly. That might not be the <laughs> cultural language, but you'd understand it. So then they so they're all at least bilingual. They might be trilingual. They might speak Greek because that's the common language. That's the you know, so you would understand Greek typically. Uh, because the majority of the, the, the world understood Greek, then you'd speak your Hebrew, and then your local language if you were, you know, in whatever, whatever specific area, you know, there might be another language that you spoke. So, uh, so at, but at least two languages. So if one of the apostles is over here and somebody else is kind of in the area, and this person is speaking Scythian, <laughs> and this person is speaking, you know, Aramaic or whatever, and you're not from those areas, and you hear this person over here, and you go, that guy sounds drunk. Then all of a sudden this guy comes over, and then, and then we see, oh, wow, we all hear them in our own languages. So at some point they start talking to each other, likely in Hebrew, going, what is going on? Oh, there's... We hear them, and they start figuring out that they're hearing in their own languages. So, so there's two things happening in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Then Peter stands up, and he's going to speak to them in one language that they all understand and preach a sermon to them. That's going to be different from Corinth. Who are they in Corinth? They're Corinthians. And what language do they speak? Greek. The vast majority of these people do not know Hebrew. There's a few of them. We, can, we understand that from the text. There's a few Jews there. It's going to be the minority of them. So, if I speak a perfectly normal foreign language, I'm Greek. I speak a foreign language. That means I'm not speaking Greek. I'm speaking Spanish. Who's understanding me in this congregation? Nobody. It doesn't mean I'm going shalabalahala. I'm speaking a perfectly normal language, but there's no one that understands it. What is the point? And that's why it's not the, the miracle is exactly the same. The setting is different. And so we, we want to get into here the productivity of, of all of this. Uh, the unproductivity of tongues without interpretation now. You have the gift. It's not being used correctly. What will people say? This is a depiction of today, if you want to know. I mean, this is a perfect depiction today. What would people say if they came in and heard this? You are mad. That's what he says, verse 24, I believe. If an unbeliever enters and listens to this, now, you might be doing something perfectly normal, but they don't understand it. They're going to come to the same conclusion that people in Acts chapter 1 did. These people are nuts. They're out of their mind. They're drunk. They're something. Something's not normal here because I don't understand this. Right? 
So if you've ever been to a Pentecostal church and you hear some of that stuff, you go, these people are weird. Yeah. sending something out where there's no receiver that puts that puts basically the focus back to himself and I'm I'm doing this cool thing. Yes. Even though there's nobody around to actually receive what I right. am doing. Yes. So I'm basically just doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it, it becomes unproductive. It becomes for me. And, and that was their focus. And that's the one of the that is the problem in unity is when things are about me. That's the problem of unity. It's a good, really good point. Um, I don't know. I, I was. I went to. Oh, I don't even know how old I was. I barely remember it. But I think I was in fifth grade. First concert I ever went to. Went to Nutcracker Suite. My mom took me to Nutcracker Suite, which was cool. Um, but I wasn't used to concerts, symphony type concerts. And at the beginning, what do you hear? You hear all those instruments warming up and tuning up. You ever hear that? It's like, everybody's getting everything in. It's awful. And that's what he describes here. He says, if, if your notes are, are, are indistinct, who wants to listen to that? There's no benefit. Right? And I'm like, is this what, you know, you're, you're hearing this for the first time. And I'm like, what? We paid money for this. You know, oh, and then they start in. It's like, wow, I didn't know they could do that. It doesn't sound like they knew what they were doing a second ago. Uh, so, and that's that's the depiction. That's the metaphor he uses to illustrate uh, what they are doing. So, I want to look at verse two through four and contrast that with what we what we see today. He says, "Anyone who speaks in the tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God. No one understands, but he under he utters mysteries with the Spirit." Everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Uh, so, who are, um, if you go to, or if you're familiar with any of the Pentecostal stuff, who do they direct their languages at? There. Languages. Yeah, each other. They're all excited about, you got to do this, let's do this. They get all excited about each other doing that. God says, who is the audience? God is the audience. It's prayer. It's a prayer thing. All right? So, uh, there were other applications, um, but but in terms of comparing... Corinth to today, it's not the same thing. Because they will definitely not use Acts chapter 1 to discuss. Any, any group today will not use Acts chapter 1 because it's quite obvious that it doesn't match. They'll use what's going on in Corinth. But we see that that doesn't even match, really. Um, if you were to talk with someone who goes to a congregation where they speak in tongues, they would say that it is a prayer. It's not yes, yes they will. But I'm looking at what they actually do and what they actually, if you if you observe them, I've been in it and it is creepy. <laughs> it is it is that, uh, and and you can in this we'll get into that a little bit more here in just a second. Um, 
but it was primarily a prayer language. Um, In verse 13, it sounds as if could not even interpret what they were Oh, that's a good point. And we're, yes, yes, I want to get to that. That, Thank you um, for pointing that out. Uh, That's in here. Um, I have it. Yes, that's my, my, one of my next points here. So verse 12, um, we're not going exactly in order because, because it kind of comes in and out of points and comes back to points to illustrate them. But he says, you are eager to have the spiritual gifts. Try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. And so, what is he then saying about tongues? It's not something that really builds people up. It's speaking in a foreign language. It has no actual intrinsic value. There's a value to it, but not intrinsically. It kind of makes me wonder why those gifts were given. We're going to get to that, too. That's a good question. You got, you're full of good questions and points. So, um, so hold on to those. Put a pin. What's that? Wasn't it like a package deal? Someone interprets the tongue. Yes, that's what they were supposed to do. Uh, so, so they it, there's a there's a thought. Could they understand or could they not understand? There's verses that seem to suggest that they could understand what they were saying, and they couldn't because one says that they edify themselves. If, if you read back up, and I, I'm not sure I understand this. I, I'm not sure which one is right. Just just. Because the beginning talks about the person who speaks in tongues edifies himself. Well, so it seems like you would have to edify. But then, then later on, he says, um, uh, verse 14, says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So it's like, how can you, I don't know how your heart can be edified by something that your mind doesn't do. I don't know if he's saying that his mind is unfruitful to other people. Like what he's thinking isn't. But but there's he he's obviously point yeah maybe maybe that's that's a benefit emotionally yeah I, I get the idea and the impression from this text that whatever people were speaking in tongues like you know what you wanted to say yes what was supposed to come out of here <laughs> but it comes out of your mouth like if I were to speak Spanish and be speaking to you right now I would know what my brain wanted to say yes. but I wouldn't actually understand. The, the actual words and syntax that were coming out of my mouth. Okay, let, let me give you a natural, because because I agree with you. This, this looks like at least, at the very least, we can say there were people that could understand what they were saying and could not interpret it. And that sounds like, if you understand it, why can't you interpret it? I understand this from a natural perspective. Right? I understand what this is like. There are times I'll be talking with Katie and I will use a Russian word. Because English ain't got it. Right? There, there are things in a different culture, and this might not be a perfect example, but I understand what it's like, where, where I would like to describe something to you, and I understand it, and I know a good word, but it's just not in your language. <laughs> because we don't have the thing. Right? So we have to, I could explain if I went through, I could explain the idea, but it would take a long explanation. I don't have the word for it, so I'll just use a word. And not a lot. There's not a lot. But but sometimes it's just it's just a perfect word in a different language. They have an idea. You don't. Uh, so, um, so I understand what that's like a little bit. Uh, 
Language is an interesting thing, just even from a natural perspective, without even getting into some of this stuff. So, um, I, I, I don't really know how to answer that question. I, I don't really know what was happening with that language. You know, was it something that they didn't understand when they spoke? No, if that's the case, that's even, and if you think of it that way, that would even be a greater miracle. I mean, if I wanted to say what I was going to say, and it came out in a different language, I'll give you, a, I will give you another illustration. Um, there was another preacher over in, in Ukraine with us, and he had a stroke when he was over there. And uh, they came, obviously, back to the United States. He survived. He, they, he, they rehabilitated him, and, and, and he's still alive now. Uh, but after he was out of therapy and he was able to, to go home, they went to a McDonald's in the United States. And he's ordering, and his wife goes, you're speaking Russian. And he had no idea. He thought he was speaking English. Now, that's not a miracle, but that's an illustration of how your brain can be doing one thing and your mouth can be doing another. And that's just a language thing. That's a brain thing. Uh, and it's often that that language part is, you know, where, where the brain is affected if you have a stroke. I don't know if God gave them temporary strokes or what he did to, to make this miracle happen. I don't know how he did that. Uh, I've, I've heard of people waking up from a coma and speaking a foreign language. Like, that's crazy. Now, they've heard the foreign language, but they think they're speaking English and they're speaking Spanish or Swedish. That's crazy. Uh, so, um, if you wanted to present the gospel to someone and you don't speak their language, and all of a sudden you're like, you just. You're just sharing the gospel in your language, but it's your mouth is doing it in theirs. <laughs> that would be pretty impressive. I've never studied this language. I don't even know what I'm saying to you. In fact, I know what I'm saying to you, but I don't know what I'm saying to you. Huh? So, I think that's the practical application. But even there, the language itself is not the benefit. The gospel is the actual benefit, the edifier. The tongue is not doing the edification. Yes. I think it's also important to realize that they weren't prophesying in tongues. They were just speaking in tongues. Right. We don't know what they were saying. Right. Yeah, but from, from, again, from, from this, it doesn't look like they were trying to prophesy. Right. Right. Those are two separate things. Those are two separate things. Correct. So you could be saying something worthwhile, but it would not necessarily be supernaturally understood. You could be saying something you know. You could be, I want to sing this favorite song of mine. Okay, I'm going to sing it in a foreign language that nobody understands. <laughs> okay, wonderful. And, uh, I, I'm, no one's getting a benefit because we don't know what song you're singing. Sounds wonderful. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Right. How do we say amen? I don't know what you said. How can I agree with that? What if you just said a, you sang a song or said something that's full of doctrinal errors? I'm not going to say amen. I don't know what you just said. You could you could just said your, your ingredients to your favorite recipe for all I know. <laughs> How do I know? So, 
So there's a little ambiguity there. So the purpose of tongues in prophecy. Who is prophecy assigned for? Who? Okay, it is a sign for unbelievers. And the, the, here again, we're going to see a contrast be, between what they do and what we do. Or not we, but in modern society. Okay, so what does, what does prophecy accomplish? Instruction. Okay, instruction is, a, if I come to you, is a, I, I speak a foreign language. That's great, that's wonderful. I haven't given you anything that's going to improve your life spiritually. I haven't given you any encouragement, any piece of knowledge. You've learned no doctrine. You've learned nothing. We just got all a, a, a gooey feeling about because I did something that's pretty cool. That's what we come away with that. I've written down my notes that they didn't have the Bible yet, or at least not the full Bible. Correct. Because prophecy was vital. Right. Yes. And and that that's a great point. That that that's from the previous chapter. We and and that's really a part of the text. There's no chapter separation. That's all a part of this. It's all about edification, um, and and perfect knowledge. Um, well, how would it be a sign? How is prophecy a sign, if you think of it that way? Or how could it be a sign? I mean, imagine this. I mean, because, they, like you said, you, they didn't have a scripture. All of a sudden, I have a, a question. I've got a deep dilemma. Right? We have... We're a baby church, and we don't really know this stuff. And there's people that can magically give you the answer that's always right, that's always appropriate, and always goes, oh. I mean, always. I mean, you have, you have friends that seem to be pretty intuitive. We all have friends that are intuitive. They can generally give us good advice, but sometimes you go, okay, you know, yeah, that doesn't really fit my situation, right? Yep, I, I think that's pretty natural, yeah, I'll think about that. But I mean, having some of that always, every time they spoke, because it's not theirs, it's, it's from God, and they always have a message, and you go, after a while, you'd think, that's not natural for someone to be right all the time. <laughs> that's not natural. I mean, it's natural for us to think we're right all the time. <clears throat> but for someone to actually have a gift where when we're talking about spiritual things, they're going to go, this is it. And you go, blown away. That would be a sign. If, is it like in the, in the story of Ananias and Sapphira and was it here? Okay. So, so that's, that, I think, comes under not prophecy so much as it would come under uh, what, he, what he calls wisdom. Right? That, that, like a special understanding. They are separate gifts. Like the Right, right. So, so that's 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 a wisdom. That's an understanding thing. Like, like you get when you and you see Jesus do that. Like Jesus, knowing what was in their heart, said to them, or you know, that's like a special, miraculous understanding of, of a situation. Uh, Paul did that from miles away. Like, by the way, I got a decision for you. <laughs> like, I just wrote this in a letter and I'm sending it to you. Oh, how did he know that? <laughs> 
adopted in some Well, everybody's a prophet, so I do be convinced that he's a sinner and will be judged by all the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. Mm-hmm. Reminds you of the woman at the well. Yes. Where Jesus says, Yeah, you're right. That's not your husband. And there's, <laughs> there's some other things along here, too. And then they went back, like, this is guy who can tell you everything you've ever done. Right. It, it, it is. It, and, and it's it's amazing. You know? So. Uh, so that's prophecy. Um, if you don't have a belief in God, probably that's not going to help you. Even the woman at the well, she, she had a loose faith in God. It might have been similar. They're, they're related to Hebrew people, so she wasn't a pure pagan. Um, she probably believed in Jehovah um, as, a, as a half-Jew. So she might have had some things wrong um, because they were disconnected a little bit. But but she is but um, but she is a Samaritan, which was half Jewish people. Um, so so again, it, it, to a believer that works. But if you're an atheist, getting a message from God is going. I don't believe in the God that you say is given. That that's wonderful. You getting divine messages and telling people what to do. I don't believe in the authority. So it's not really a sign. It doesn't prove anything to somebody who doesn't believe in God. Because they're not working towards that goal. If you're working towards that goal and you're getting pieces of advice that make sense within your belief system, then it's a sign. Yeah. Another example maybe would be uh, where there are times you like could hear the spirit and you approach somebody like a stranger. Okay. And you're like, hey, I want to ask you if you want to let's say study the Bible. Yeah. So yeah. for them, you know, they're, sure. it's, it's a sign. Right, There's, there there was all sorts of guidance. And you see that throughout, you see that through the New Testament. Um, Paul deciding, I want to go here, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, new, <laughs> I want you over here. I'm going to give you a vision or, or some type of prophetic thing that tells you what I want you to do. And it was necessary for that period of time to have that. Right? That, that's not necessarily something. I don't, I don't get visions. I didn't get a vision that said, move to Ukraine. And I got a phone call. And someone said, would you come? And I said, I'll think about it. We'll come over and visit. And it was all very natural. There was no movings. There was no thing like, other than the moving. That was the only moving. That was, that was when I moved. Um, so, so tongues then. Let's talk about tongues. Who is that assigned to? So he says, he says prophecy is a, a sign to one group, but tongues now are a sign or evidence to another group. Unbelievers. Unbelievers. Now that is different. Today, if you go into, who, is, who are tongues assigned to today? The, today's version. It's the, to an angelic well, I, I know, but who, who did they use it as a sign for or as a proof for? other members of the church. They will not do that outside. You will not be in a mall somewhere and see someone start speaking in tongues. won't happen. It happens in church where other believers are exclusively. It, to them, is used as a sign that you are filled with the Spirit. They use it incorrectly, directly against what Paul says how to use it. 
they violate the very thing Paul said, this is how you use it, this is what it's for. Uh, okay. So it sounds like you can do something for God that is an evidence to other people, right? If I serve God and other people are impressed by that, right? Like Peter talks about, you've done something on God for God's benefit, and other people can see your faith and glorify God who is in heaven, right? That, so. So it works the same way. You can you can pray or do something. And, and, and remember, he's talking about how they were using it. They were using it as prayer in church. That's not necessarily what it was designed for. I think Acts chapter 1 gives us a better design or a description of its design, where it was used as the vehicle to educate people and edify people. It wasn't the edification itself. The message is the edification. It's the vehicle to do that. And so it's a sign for unbelievers. It's not designed for church use. You and I speak the same language. Preach the gospel in the same language. We don't have to go through translators. Trust me. I did it for 11 years. Translating, I can cover half of the material if I have to go through a translator. It's not the ideal way to do things. So, uh, it's assigned to unbeliever. How would it be assigned to an unbeliever? I don't believe in God. Prophecy is not going to do me any good. I don't believe in God. But how could tongues be assigned? If they hear what the Corinthians are doing, which is speaking in a language so that nobody can understand it, that sounds like you're out of your mind. And that's, that's we go back to Acts chapter 1, where some people didn't understand it and thought that they were drunk. There's another group of people that are like... Right. Seems like the tongues is the external facing thing that you go out when you go out to different peoples right. speaking different languages. When you are inside the congregation, wherever you are meeting, you don't need that because right. we're all speaking the same. Right, right. The, the prophesying is internal, the tongues are external. Correct. So if you hear, if I know that, okay, let's go back to the natural. If I went over to, to Ukraine and I, I, I knew no Russian, and I get up first day I'm there, and fluent Russian. I've never studied it. I don't know the alphabet or nothing. That's going to be pretty impressive. Someone's going to go, you got to come to church. This dude doesn't know Russian. He speaks perfect Russian. <laughs> That's amazing. They don't have to believe in God to go, That's amazing. All of a sudden, they're there to hear me speak Russian, because that's cool. And they're going to get the gospel. And they're also going to start thinking, how does this guy do that? 
Now, some of them might conclude that I have this amazing power myself. And some of them might conclude, as I explain, oh, this comes from God. Well, a God who can do that is pretty impressive. He must be real because he's doing something that doesn't fit into the real world. That doesn't happen. That, that's just, I mean, after 11 years of living in a language, I tried to preach a sermon with no translator, and I gave them headaches. Literal, not figurative. I did it about three weeks, and that was with a lot of coaching, a lot of coaching to be able to even pronounce the words. Like, this is how you not just pronounce a word, but this is how you pronounce a whole sentence, because you have to know how to pronounce a whole sentence. It has like a flow, like a poetry flow, the way they do it. And I had a lot of coaching, like, like a two-hour coaching session for just a short period of text. It was like a 20-minute sermon. And Nina comes up to after me and says, I have such a headache. <laughs> okay, we're back to English. I thought I was making great strides. It's not natural. That just doesn't happen. So, that's who it's assigned for. We don't need it today. We talked about that. Um, We have a Bible. We have the ability to study languages. We have Bibles. We have languages that have alphabets. The Russian alphabet actually comes from people who didn't have an alphabet. And, and two missionaries went up, studied the language, gave them an alphabet for the specific purpose of giving them a Bible. A guy by the name of St. Cyril, which is why we call it Cyrillic. It's cool stuff. We have Google Translate. I had a, I had a guy come over while we were in America, and he, he preached over there. I'm like, I don't know how this guy's going to survive. How is he going to get stuff at the store? How is he going to know it? He just brings his phone. He's like, there's this cool thing called Google Translate. He just... I, it was a new thing back then, and he just, I watched this, and he spoke a sentence into it, and he pressed the button, and it went, in Russian, I'm like, it, you know, it was bad back then, it's still bad, but he was over there for three or four months, fine, worked, that's amazing, we don't need tongues, not necessary, so it was a temporary thing, our tongues for everybody, Verse 5, I want to cover this really fast. We're, all, we're over time a couple of minutes, but this is important because there's a very bad translation in a couple, even in this one. This is a modern NIV, a very bad translation. I believe the older one is better. There's a couple of translations you've got to be careful of. Um, but verse 5, this says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Anybody says, I want you, anybody have a version that says, I want you to speak? I want every one of you to speak in tongues. It's wrong, 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 wrong. Because what does that suggest? It's really, it's really important, which violates everything he's just said. Okay. It also suggests that it's a possibility. I want you to do this. Right? If you give your kid a task, I want you to do this by the time I get home. It suggests that it's a possibility. We've already said Paul has already said, the Holy Spirit passes him out. Not everyone speaks in tongues. This word is not the word I want. It's I would like. Or sort of like, I wish. I wish you could. That would be great. 
If everyone could just naturally speak in foreign languages without studying it, that would be great. But what I would rather is for you to prophesy. I really wish every one of you could prophesy. Guess what? That's not possible either. Because not everyone prophesies. He already said that. He's he's using this as a a means to compare the importance. That would be great if all of you could speak in tongues. You know what would be better? I I really wish that you could all prophesy. That would be great. Guess what? You can't do all... None of you can do all of them. There's just... That's the need for the church. Some of you prophesy. Some of you speak in tongues. Some of you do miracles. Some of you interpret. That's the reality. That's what the Holy Spirit determines those things. He said the Holy Spirit distributes those as he will. He didn't consult Paul. So it doesn't make a difference what Paul wanted. The Holy Spirit doesn't consult Paul when he hands out the gifts. That's not what that's about. And it doesn't say that, uh, it doesn't suggest, this. the correct interpretation does not suggest that this was a possibility. This would be an ideal thing. I think, that's, I think that also is going along with how he would rather have their attitudes be. Right. Yep. I'd rather have their attitudes towards you know, looking to want to prophesy instead of Right, right. Desire the greater gifts. Uh, and there might have been people that had more than one gift. There's, you know, Maybe that fits into the idea of the talents. But no one had all of them. And not any one of them was done by everybody. So, all right, we're over time, and we'll dismiss.